from the darkness of a sure home defeat. The beam team shines through with a comeback victory that I was definitely not prepared for. But I'm gonna share with you why this win cannot be over-exaggerated. This is the kind of win that can save a season even if we're just in December. I'll explain right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer, and I come to you bearing my heart honestly to tell you I have failed as a Sacramento Kings supporter. I have failed as a believer in this team because I had totally counted this Kings team out. I had for sure chalked this up as a Kings loss, especially when they started the second half on a little bit of a push. The Kings got it to within seven points, I think, and within three or four minutes, the Nuggets got it right back to a nearly 20-point lead. I was ready to record a podcast where I was going to speak about my frustrations on the Sacramento Kings' terrible defense, and it was bad, trust me, just because the Kings came back and won this game tonight against the Nuggets. That's not going to brush under a lot of the defensive mistakes that they made, but I was preparing to make a very negative podcast to talk about uh, the overall failure of a homestand, even with still one game left, the Utah Jazz, on Friday. And I, like so many in this building, were just revived by how the Sacramento Kings were able to bounce back, come back, and some would say steal this game, but on your home floor, you're supposed to win games like this. You're supposed to win these tug-of-war battles that even though maybe the Kings didn't have any business being in this game with how poorly they played, they were down, I think, 13 at halftime, and many were saying, and rightfully so, they were lucky to be down just 13 points. Some will say the Kings stole this game, and that's fine. But the Kings battled, they fought, they gave themselves an opportunity, and then their home court advantage carried them across the finish line. There are so many things about this game that I want to talk about. So many things that I feel I need to spend appropriate time on. But nothing more than this, which some of you are going to call an over-exaggeration. A lot of people maybe outside of the Sacramento Kings fandom who may watch this podcast, Nuggets fans, if you're watching, any other general NBA fans, if you're watching, you might roll your eyes at this and think this is an over-exaggeration after a surprising comeback win. But I'm telling you, this is a type of win that can save a season for a team like the Sacramento Kings. The beam team was going strong. A month ago, every time the Kings took the floor in this building, we expected them to win. Malik Monk was coming in with the second unit and putting on an absolute show. De'Aaron Fox was playing like a superstar. DeMontis Sabonis was flirting with a triple-double on a nightly basis. Kevin Herter was shooting 50% from three-point range. Things were clicking left and right for the Kings, and we had a belief that no matter if the game was close or if the Kings were down by double digits, they would find a way to come back and win, or they would find a way to close out, especially on their home floor. Then 
they go on that road trip, right? They scratch and claw to get that 500 road trip, and you're looking at the upcoming home schedule. You see the Charlotte Hornets and the Washington Wizards coming into town, the Los Angeles Lakers, who aren't very good, coming into town. You see, man, here's a really big opportunity for the Sacramento Kings to build on their winning record on their home floor. Then the Kings lose to Charlotte. They beat the Lakers. They lose to Washington. And then they blow a 20-point lead in game one of a doubleheader against the Denver Nuggets, where I said I thought that was their best shot to get a win in this doubleheader. This loss tonight set the Kings up for a abysmal road trip. I'm sorry, abysmal homestand. A homestand that completely erases the positivity, all the hard work that the Kings did during that road trip, this homestand would have erased. And still technically can erase to some extent if they don't handle their business against Utah on Friday, but we'll get to that later on. Plus, the beam team that we were talking about, the beam team that had the entire NBA talking about one of the best or offenses in the NBA, if not the best offense, the lighting the beam every night, the light the beam chance, that team that the NBA, NBA circles, national circles were talking about, that team, at least during this homestand, for the most part, has been nowhere to be seen. Suddenly, with this kind of turnaround, this is the type of game that the Sacramento Kings can hang their hat on. This is the type of game that reminds this team how good not just they can be, how good they actually are if they just play together and play to the level of their capabilities. No, we don't expect this team to be a good defensive team. We don't expect them to be a great defensive team, but for them to be average, for them to be passable, that's good enough with how capable this offense is. For this team to not be a revolving door welcoming player after player into the paint for basket after basket after basket like they were doing not just in the first half of this game, but like they've been doing a lot for many different teams over the course of this homestand. We knew this team was better than that. This team knew they were better than that, even if they don't have the greatest of defensive personnel. This kind of game reminds the Kings of how good they are. And on top of that, we are now in the dog days of the NBA season. This is the grind, right? You're seeing players banged up. DeMontis Sabonis playing with a fractured thumb. De'Aaron Fox has already been out with injury. Players are going through slumps. They're tired physically or mentally exhausted. You've been playing now we're like 30 games into the season. Like you're starting to get tired and it's still a ways off until the All-Star break. Plus, other teams are starting to get into a flow a little bit. So the Sacramento Kings with that quick start aren't uh, catching as many teams by surprise anymore. Teams are figuring the Kings out and adjusting to the Kings and forcing the Kings in uncomfortable situations. These are the grind days and weeks of the regular season, and there are going to be more low points. There are going to be more rough patches than what the Kings are just going through or what they had been going through up until tonight's win. This win reminds the Kings during those times they're good, they're capable, they can see it through. And even when they're at their lowest, even when they're playing in a game that they probably deserve to lose and they've been getting their butts kicked, at least defensively, over the entire course of the game, they can still find a way to win that game. They can still pull through. Plus, they have the fan base behind them, this Sacramento fan base around them that is ready to support and rally with them every time they put that effort forward. I cannot, again, overestimate this game enough. I think this is a game that reminds the Sacramento Kings who they are. I think this is the type of game that can pull the Kings out of their funk. And I expect the Sacramento Kings to build upon this game on Friday against the Utah Jazz. A big, big part 
maybe the biggest part of this win for the Sacramento Kings was you, was the Sacramento fan base, this Golden One Center crowd. This was the sixth consecutive sellout, and this crowd brought it tonight, and they were working so hard over the first three quarters or so to get involved in this game, and with the exception of that push in the early third quarter, they had been kept quiet. They were sitting on their hands. They were trying to get excited, trying to fire the Kings up, but the Kings weren't giving them really too much to cheer about. That's been something that's been pretty consistent over the course of this homestand. The crowd has been here. The sellouts have been here, but the Kings haven't given those sellout crowds too much to celebrate and too much to cheer about over the course of this homestand. But when the team got going, when the crowd got involved in the fourth quarter. I heard Jason Ross saying on the post-game uh, radio broadcast, it's like the Kings crowd was not going to let the Kings lose. And it's like the Kings weren't going to allow themselves to lose because of how much this crowd rallied around them. That fan energy completely fueled that 33 to 21 fourth quarter for the Sacramento Kings leading to their 127 to 126 victory. How involved the crowd was, was inspirational. It was awesome for me to see. And it reminds me of why I fell in love, not just with the game of basketball, why I fell in love with Kings basketball, because I grew up in the glory days of the Arco uh, Arena era, right, with Arco Thunder and how loud it got there and how my mom would ask my uncle, who always took me to games, my uncle was a season ticket holder, would tell him, hey, here are some earplugs, make him wear earplugs because it's so loud. And thank God my uncle didn't. Well, maybe he should have because my hearing is shot now. But I got to experience that energy, that Arco Thunder. And that energy is here in the Golden One Center just waiting to burst every single night. And, you know, I asked De'Aaron Fox, who's very used to this Kings crowd. He spent his entire career here in Sacramento, has spoken about the Sacramento fan base uh, to national circles. I asked him about the crowd and the impact that they had on this game. He had some great things to say. Plus, Sacramento Kings uh, associate head coach uh, or assistant coach uh, Jordy Fernandez, who is serving as the head coach for the Kings right now while Mike Brown is in health and safety protocols. Jordy also spoke uh, about the Kings fans and their involvement in this game. Take a listen to what the two of them had to say. You know this fan base really, really well. Sixth consecutive sellout. Seems like when they got involved in that fourth quarter, great things really started happening too. How much do, does the team feed off the energy that they've brought? Uh, you, you definitely pick up on that. Um, you know, regardless of what game it is, you know, we have a crowd that's going to show up night in and night out. Um, and it's, it's funny because the new guys, this is kind of their first glimpse of this, whereas I've been here for some years, so I've seen the good, the bad. Um, but just every night this year, it's, it's, it's been fantastic for us. And um, honestly, we, we want to have a better record at home than we do. Um, obviously, on the road, I think we're 500. So that's, you know, that's, if we go 500 for the year on the, ro on the road, that's great. That's a, good, that's a big positive. But uh, for us, we have to be better at home, um, especially knowing the type of fans that we have. Like, this should, be a, uh, this should be one of the best home court advantages in, truthfully, all of sports. Like, we, we sell out games night in, night out. Yeah, I think that I'm going back to my first point that it was the crowd and the energy they gave us because we tried and then we made a couple of mistakes, especially defensively. They punched back in our face. You know, they took the league back to close to 20. And then we tried again and they were supporting us and right behind us. And it felt like we were playing six against five. So uh, that's, I think, how you come back at home and, and you end up with a win. There are three individuals 
that I want to highlight. And this is in no particular order. It's not one, two, and three. It's just three guys for three different region, reasons that I want to highlight for tonight's game. Number one is Malik Monk. Malik was the absolute catalyst behind this comeback for the Sacramento Kings. And it's a great reminder of how important Malik's energy is to the team and how important Malik's energy is to the fan base. I've called him the heartbeat, the lifeblood of that second unit. He leads that group by example, and he comes in and provides a spark for the Sacramento Kings as a scorer. They call him the microwave because of his scoring ability, but his distribution and ability to get teammates involved, his flash and flair that he plays with a little bit, gets the crowd involved, gets the team fired up, and that was a major part of Sacramento's success when they went on that, what was it, seven, I think it was seven or was it eight? I honestly don't remember. Seven game win streak, one of the big win streaks earlier on this season. A lot of that had to do with how Malik Monk was playing, especially in this building. Well, Malik has been struggling as of late. And Malik actually tweeted out after the Kings lost last night that he needed to be better, held himself accountable, apologized to Sacramento. Well, he came back and he definitely was better tonight. And it's not just the fact that he scored 33 points and led the Kings in scoring. It was the fact that he was that energy burst. He was the guy that kind of sparked, got that crowd involved, and really started to fuel that comeback that then De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell and DeMontis Sabonis and Trey Lyles and everybody else got involved in. It began with Malik Monk. Malik, his sixth man of the year candidacy, candidacy doesn't just rely on the scoring offensive numbers that he puts up. His sixth man of the year candidacy, in my mind, relies on the impact that he has on the Kings, how quickly they're able to turn games around, how they can spark runs, and how he can lead a Kings second unit, even if he's spending a lot of time next to De'Aaron Fox or whatever, how he can lead that unit to either building a Kings lead or closing a gap if the Kings starters have been struggling a little bit. That is how important Malik Monk is to this team. I wanted to highlight that. Number two, I want to highlight Davion Mitchell. And I talked about him a little bit at the end of yesterday's podcast. And even though he was coming off of a nine assist game, I spoke about the frustrations that I've had with Davion as somewhat of a liability as a scorer on offense, that he needed to be better as a scorer. Well, offensively tonight, he wasn't that great as a scorer, but defensively, he was monumental for the Sacramento Kings in this win. Bones Highland and the perimeter play of the Denver Nuggets was giving the Kings absolute fits. And we're going to get into later the points in the paint for the Denver Nuggets. Bones Highland was getting anywhere that he wanted. He was hitting threes. He was getting to the paint, opening opportunities up for others. The, every single Kings guard was having the hardest time handling Bones Highland, who was starting in place of Jamal Murray, who was out of, of this game, out for rest on the second night of a back-to-back. Bones Highland was ripping the Kings to shreds, which in some cases is inexcusable, but he was ready. He came out and was playing hard. Well, Davion Mitchell made Bones Highland work in the fourth quarter. Davion Mitchell took personally the challenge of making sure Bones Highland was not going to have the impact that he had for the remainder of that game. And that really helped spark the Kings' defensive effort, creating the stops that they needed to to hold the Denver Nuggets to just 21 points in the fourth quarter. After giving up 40 points in the first quarter and 30 the other two quarters, I believe, he or 30-plus in the other two quarters, 
he was monumental for the Kings defensive effort to help them close that gap and ultimately win this game. That's why he won the defensive player of the game chain and got to wear the defensive player of the game chain in the locker room after the win. I think it's the first time that he has won uh, that chain or won that award uh, for the Sacramento Kings. But he was phenomenal and definitely worth pointing out. Finally, and this should be no surprise to anybody, De'Aaron Fox. What can or can't you say about De'Aaron Fox with how he played in this game tonight? I mean, I thought he was playing well even with the Kings struggling. He got to a double-double like early third quarter, early mid-third quarter, and um, when I noticed it, he had like, I think 13, 14 points, and, or like maybe 15, 16 points, and he had uh, 11 assists. Like he was doing a good job distributing. He was trying to attack, trying to get the Kings involved uh, where he could, but Sacramento defensively was just having such a poor performance that no matter what he did, it wasn't really making much of an impact. Well, in the fourth quarter, De'Aaron Fox went on an absolute tear. De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter was every bit the superstar that the Kings need him to be and believe that he is. And even though DeMontis Sabonis was available tonight, the Sacramento Kings needed him to be a superstar to win this game. And that's exactly what he was in the fourth quarter. Exactly what he was. 15 of his 31 points scored in the fourth quarter. But here's what's more important. With those 15 points, he played all but 25 seconds of the fourth quarter. With those 15 points, he shot an extremely efficient 6 of 7 from the field. And there is a reason why he is, I think, still the league leader in clutch shooting percentage. When the game is on the line, De'Aaron Fox has been automatic because he's been getting to whatever spot on the floor he wants. Hitting his mid-range jumper, his step back three, getting to the basket. When he is playing at that level, that three-level scorer ability that he has, he can get wherever he wants and he is impossible to guard. Plus, with how well DeMontis Sabonis was playing and how well Malik Monk was playing, that opens up far, far more opportunities for De'Aaron as well. De'Aaron was every bit the superstar that the Kings needed him to be tonight. And in addition to those 31 points to have 13 assists, some would be more impressed with that or just as impressed with that. De'Aaron was doing an excellent job distributing the basketball. Those are the three players that I really wanted to point out and highlight. You may have noticed I left DeMontis Sabonis off of that list. It's not to disrespect him. I'm going to talk about him more in just a second when we come back. Plus, I want to talk about Casey Paula. And yes, we are going to address some of the ugly, ugly defense that the Sacramento Kings have played. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports instead of dealing with the daily grind of setting lineups and, and drafting your teams and taking on different teams and battling like sharks on other uh, sports uh, fantasy gambling websites. Prize Picks removes all of that for you and, and gives you the most fun and efficient way to play, in my opinion. The way Prize Picks works, you pick two to six players, and if they will score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So, for, say for example, you pick De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, and Malik Monk tonight. Well, if you took the over on all three of their scoring projections, because I guarantee you Prize Picks didn't project the three of them scoring 30 plus points then you would have won a boatload of money on Price Picks. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Price Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, uh, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, even the WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, so when you win your money, you will actually get 
your money and it's currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app and go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports the way they were meant to be played. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to get 100% match up to $100. DeMontis Sabonis is an absolute warrior, and I'm not talking about the team that plays down uh, the, the road in the Bay Area a little bit. He is an incredible teammate, an incredibly hard worker, of course, an incredible basketball player, and someone who is not afraid to fight through pain the way that he did tonight to make sure that Sacramento Kings have their best chance to win. Like when we found out, when I found out, that DeMontis Sabonis was going to be playing. It's right around the time that I arrived at the arena. This game went from I wasn't too excited to watch it to instantly more excited to watch it. Not just because I like DeMontis Sabonis more than the rest of the Kings team, but because, as I talked about on, on yesterday's episode of Locked On Kings, De no DeMontis Sabonis is a massive problem for this Kings team. Obviously, DeMontis is the most important player on this Kings roster. That doesn't necessarily mean always best, but most important for sure with what he brings to the table. And DeMontis came out, I was honestly a little nervous. I was watching him pregame warming up and he only just had, he had a decent amount of tape, but really just had the thumb taped up, had no like protective glove or brace or anything on it. I was worried about that, especially considering how physical he plays, and he was also going to be going up against the best center in the NBA in Nikola Jokic. But basketball fans, we all won because we got to see DeMontis Sabonis and Jokic battling one another. And I was sitting courtside right over there before the game started. I was sitting with my friends Frankie Cardicelli uh, uh, and Chris Watkins from Return of the War, Brendan uh, Roar, Brandon Nunez from uh, the Kings Pulse podcast, and and we were talking and, and we were talking about like projected stat lines for DeMontis Sabonis. Like, what do we think DeMontis Sabonis is going to do for the Sacramento Kings? He's going to be uh, playing a little bit banged up. He's also playing against Nikola Jokic. Like, I didn't think Sabonis was going to have a massive scoring night. I projected I, I predicted he was going to have like a 14 point like 12 rebounds, eight or nine assists kind of night type thing. Still flirting with a triple-double, but not as big as some of the triple-doubles that he's put up earlier on in this homestand, right? Well, uh, I got one thing wrong, and that was uh, DeMontis Sabonis' scoring output. 31 points for Sabonis, 10 rebounds, five assists in 38 minutes. Didn't have any kind of uh, minutes restriction whatsoever. And here's the best thing that I can say about the night that DeMontis Sabonis had for the Kings and his health going forward, right? Within... Probably five minutes, I forgot completely that DeMontis had an injury. Completely. Like, I, I, I didn't even notice his hand. I didn't notice it affecting the way that he played. And it dawned on me in, like, the fourth quarter when I remembered, oh, wait, DeMontis Sabonis is playing through injury. It dawned on me that the fact that it had that little impact on his game, so much so that I forgot about it when it was such a major talking point going into this game. To me, that speaks volumes about his status, what he's able to do. Now, I'm not going to say DeMontis Sabonis is at 100%, and I'm not going to say that he's not at risk of injuring it worse or, or bo it bothering him and it having an effect on his play going forward until it's completely healed. But I'm saying for tonight's game in a physical matchup against the best big man in the NBA and two-time MVP, uh, Nikola Jokic, I didn't think about it. I didn't worry about it, even though I know from what I was under, uh, what I was told and from what we heard post-game uh, that he was playing through some pain tonight. In fact, speaking of post-game, here is Jordy Fernandez, De'Aaron Fox, and Malik Monk all talking about DeMontis Sabonis fighting through the injury. To be honest with you, once we started and we were in the flow of the game, he was so worried about 
pace, pace, and he was yelling at everybody, we got to run, and he's the one a lot of times that he's going to push it and find his teammates. So once I saw that he was not worried about his hand, then I wasn't worried about his hand. And if you look at his performance, especially having to guard the guy that he had to guard, chest to chest, I know Nicolas scored 40, but if you look at the overall numbers, uh, especially with the assist, uh, Thomas was right there, he was physical, so... I think that right hand looked pretty good to me. Yeah, I mean, he literally has a broken thumb. Like, you know, going out there and uh, playing through that type of pain against a guy who, one, even if you have everybody healthy, it's going to be hard and up to almost impossible to stop. But uh, he goes out there, he fights, he still rebounds, um, knowing that that hand's going to get caught in there um, and get hit and get banged in this game. Um, he still went out there, and it just shows his toughness. And... Um, I mean, he wants to win. You know, he when we when he came here, it wasn't to, you know, for just for the future. He wanted to come here and, and start winning games now. And you know, as we get older, try to continue winning. So um, that's I think that's that's a plus for for anybody that's a part of something like that. Yeah, man, just make us um, fight even harder for him, man. Because uh, we know we know what kind of pain he in, and um, I know he hurting. Um, and that just make us come together even more and you know, fight as a team more. And I think that's why we got to win tonight. I want to talk about KZ Akpala really quick. Because KZ Akpala had some excellent defensive moments in this game. Had a block shot uh, over here in transition that led to a transition. Malik Monk three. That was a big part of the Kings push. I think that was early on in the fourth quarter, if I'm mistaken. But he had a couple really big defensive moments. Also had some offensive blunders. And I think I'm a little too hard on KZ Akpala at times. Because offensively, I just think he's a liability for the Kings. Like he just doesn't do enough offensively for me to think it's worth it for him to be out there getting significant minutes. However, when he plays and makes the impact that he does defensively, I'm certainly not going to ignore that. And offensively, he I think he hit a three, like he had a couple of good moments. So I think I'm being a little too hard on Casey Paul. I bring him up because I wanna give him the credit that he deserves for what he was able to do defensively. And I wanna ask you what you think about his spot in the rotation. Do you think he is someone that should be getting consistent playing time on a nightly basis because of the defense that he provides for the Kings on the wing? Let me know, at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Now, speaking of the defense, let's talk about the bad of the Kings defense tonight. Again, as much as I want to brush it under the rug because the Kings were able to come back and win this game, I simply cannot. Because the main thing that the Kings struggled with defensively in this game is something they've struggled with throughout the course of this entire homestand to this point, and that's their perimeter defense. Now, people are going to look at points in the paint and go, wait, wait a minute, Matt. The problem is what's happening in the paint, around the basket. That's on the bigs. No. The Kings' breakdowns are beginning on the perimeter. I'm not saying it's just on the guards because the pick-and-roll Kings defense for the Kings has been bad too. So the bigs are not doing well enough in the pick-and-roll, and the guards certainly aren't doing well enough in the pick-and-roll. But like I mentioned earlier on, Bo Bones Highland was torching the Kings earlier today. He was getting into the paint at will. Same thing that happened in the Charlotte game, LaMelo Ball getting to the paint at will. Same thing that happened in the Washington Wizards loss. They were getting into the paint at will, and it was leading to so many open opportunities around the rim for layups or for floaters in the lane, mid-range jump shot, shots, open threes. It's the paint touches that are one of the pillars of the Sacramento Kings offense that Mike Brown talks so much about. Well, you understand why it's an important part of the Kings offense, because it works. And you know how it works because it works so well against the Sacramento Kings. The Kings have to be way better 
at making life more difficult for especially guards who try and work their way into the paint. Be more physical. And I understand when the Sacramento Kings try to play physical, sometimes they get penalized. Chris Biederman made a really good point. Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman. I was talking to him or he was, he was chatting with us during halftime. We were sitting in the Kings media room at halftime and we were talking and he brought up a really good point. He said, like, I think the Kings would be officiated differently and the Kings would, or rather, officials would allow the Sacramento Kings to play physical defense more consistently if the Kings themselves played physical defense consistently. Because on some possessions, they'll just let them go right by without too much effort. And then the next possession, they'll try and be physical and put a shoulder in or, or, uh, or cut off a lane or something like that. And they'll be called for blocking fouls. So they'll be called uh, just for touch fouls and things like that. It's because they're not playing that way for the majority of 48 minutes. Now, I understand at times when they have tried to do that, it's gotten important players in foul trouble. So I think there's a balance for the Kings to find. But the physicality has to be better. They cannot allow guards, especially backup guards who are starting out of necessity, to have the success getting to the paint and opening up or like breaking down a defense like Bones Highland was able to do for the Denver Nuggets tonight. Cannot happen. 62 Nuggets points in the paint is abysmal. And Sacramento was very fortunate that this, this game didn't get really, really ugly and they didn't fall behind by like 30 points like they did because of the Washington Wizards. And they owe a lot of that to the fact that offensively they finally woke up after a really horrible shooting start. The Kings were in like the low 30s and three-point shooting-wise they were in the 20s uh, for I think all of the first quarter and, and much of the second quarter. Shots finally started to fall, which kept them in it a little bit. And then once the defense picked up in the fourth quarter, that offense continued, they were able to win this game. I'm glad that they were able to overcome it and make the adjustments necessary when it mattered. I'm, I celebrate that. That is worth pointing out. But it is also worth, like you, I guarantee you, Jordy Fernandez, Mike Brown, the Sacramento Kings as a whole, they're going to be looking at the film of the Kings' defensive breakdowns from not just this game tonight, but from all of these games during this Kings homestand to this point, and they will be working in their next available practice opportunity, they will be working and addressing, taking care of the paint and making sure that they're not breaking down on the perimeter and getting beat so bad on the perimeter that it completely breaks apart their already somewhat fragile defense. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and even the World Cup that just wrapped up and more professional soccer going forward. They have it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline. They have a fun of fun prop bets, future bets. I hope you took my advice at the beginning of the season and bet the over on the Kings win total because I'm very confident the Kings are going to cover that. If you want to uh, take an outside shot on uh, Keegan Murray uh, winning rookie of the year, you can bet on that or Malik Monk winning sixth man of the year, you can bet on that. Or if you really want to feel bold and put your money down on the Sacramento Kings winning an NBA championship, you can bet on that too. Plus, there's so many fun bets uh, around uh, other sports like I mentioned uh, for you to, to check out. And with Super Bowl coming up too, keep an eye out some really fun prop bets for Super Bowl as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So now we turn our attention to how do the Sacramento Kings respond? 
they had this amazing comeback win, a win that can revitalize their season in a lot of ways, a win that can reignite the flame or the beam for lack of a better term. This is the type of win that can give the Kings life again but it only matters if they handle their business on Friday against the Utah Jazz, who come into town. The Utah Jazz are a team that got off to a really good start. They're a team you can't take lightly, even though I think pound for pound, the Kings are a much better team than the Utah Jazz. They can't walk into this building thinking that that's the case. And we'll have to wait and see what kind of percentage DeMontis Sabonis and the rest of this Kings team is physically. Because every single night, every single day, that grind wears down some of these guys more and more and more. So any information that comes out, of course, about Sabonis' health or any other Kings player's health, I'll have for you. And we'll be able to talk about here on Locked on Kings. Uh, or you can find on my Twitter, at Matt George uh, Sack. But do the Kings handle their business on Friday? And if so, they turn a homestand that I was ready to call a complete disaster into 3-3, three and three, which... 500 at home, yeah, it's disappointing given the circumstances of the teams that they were playing, but it's significantly better than two and four. And it's significant, uh, also way better than one and five, which was a real possibility based off of how this game was going. So if the Kings can find a way to truly salvage this homestand by building off the momentum of tonight and handling their business Friday against the Utah Jazz, no, I won't celebrate it, but you know what? I'll be more than happy with it, given the context. And that makes you feel a little bit better going into still the month of January with some very winnable games. Some tough games for sure, but also a lot of winnable games in this building on the horizon here. I really think this win is going to be something that we point to over the course of the next month and go, that game was so essential to turning things around for the Sacramento Kings. But... Right now, it's all talk. The Kings need to put all of that into action, and we'll see if they're able to do that. Kings fans, you in the building were amazing tonight, and I got the opportunity to meet some of you. Thank you so much uh, for reaching out and for your support. Uh, those of you who I got to chat with, uh, you're incredible. I do not take that for granted. And those of you who listen, who support uh, Locked On Kings, whether you come to games or whether you can't come to games because you're somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, I appreciate you all the same. Thank you so much uh, for your support. And it's games like this that bring us all together. Man, we love games like this. We love that energy. We love that comeback. We believe in this team. Uh, and maybe we as fans needed this comeback win just as much uh, as uh, these players and this uh, coaching staff did. I sure as hell know as a podcast host and a media member, I needed this comeback win here tonight. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs>